You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Oh, Atamaria Church, welcome. Good morning. It's good to have everyone in church with us today. So good to see so many beautiful, smiling, happy faces. And uh, we're going to have a great, great morning in church today. Again, thank you so much for what you've given towards our Ukraine appeal. It's an amazing uh, opportunity we've had. And how amazing, $43,000 that you guys gave to support that. So put your hands together again. It's incredible, you know, with all that's going on in the world and stuff right now and all that's going on in our communities and inflation and all that kind of stuff, to still see that much money come in for people we'll never meet, we'll never see, uh, but to make a difference. It just shows the heart of the church, a heart of generosity, and, and just so thankful for that. Uh, welcome to all our guests. Anyone who's here for the first time, welcome. Uh, we're blessed to have you. Welcome to those online. Botany, one more time. Can we just welcome the online campus today at the 11 a.m.? I want to encourage you as well. Uh, we have baptisms happening next Sunday at Easter Sunday services. So if you have not yet been baptized, what better day than Easter Sunday? We're going to do this across every single one of our campuses. So people will be being baptized in all our campuses on Easter Sunday is going to be an amazing time. So if you feel like that's maybe your next step, grab the Connect card and the seat in front of you and fill that and we will help you on your journey. Uh, We have been in a series called The Journey to the Cross, and this series is leading us all the way to Easter next week. And on Good Friday, we've got a 9 a.m. service on Good Friday. You're going to have to register for that if you want to have your spot. Let's just pray that the PM makes a great announcement the day before and says all the number limits are lifting and we can fill this place out. But uh, until then, pray and register (laughs) and get yourself a spot. Uh, It'll be awesome, 9 a.m. And then we've got our three services on Easter Sunday as well. But this journey is taking us all the way there, and the journey started a couple of weeks back. We went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and then we moved forward into the Jesus trial, and now today we move forward into a place called Golgotha. Uh, Other translations of the same place call it Calvary. It's a place where we encounter the cross. And we're going to go to Mark chapter 15. If you have your Elam Christian Center app, you can put that, pull that out and use that. And uh, all the notes, all the sermon notes, everything are there. Or you can follow along in your own Bible or on the screen. Mark 15 verse 16 says this. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. And again they struck him on the head with a staff and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they'd mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on. And then they led him out to crucify him. Then verse 22, they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him, and written the written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. This is where we get to like quite a heavy moment in this journey to the cross. And we love to celebrate as a church. We love to you know, be full of joy, but there's these moments in our faith where we just have to stop and we have to go, wow, that's a heavy moment. This is a, a weighty point in history that we're going to dive into today. Crucifixion is brutal. Crucifixion is absolutely horrific and barbaric and it's 
It's so terrible. It was said to be created by, by barbarians at the edge of the earth, and the Greeks and the Romans, they adopted it, and they almost, some would say they perfected it. And I'll read this to you. It's probably the coolest method, cruelest method of execution ever practiced. For it deliberately delayed death until maximum torture had been inflicted. The victim could suffer for days before dying. When the Romans adopted it, they reserved it for criminals convicted of murder, rebellion, or armed robbery, provided that they were also slaves, foreigners, or other non-persons. Crucifixion, therefore, was a death reserved for people who had no rights. In a sense, it's a slave's death to die a death on a cross. And I don't know if you realize this, Bex mentioned it before, but today is Palm Sunday. So in the Christian calendar, there's certain dates and things that have meaning and value to us. And Palm Sunday is one of those. And it's the Sunday before Easter Sunday. And it's a Sunday where we kind of uh, remember the moment a week before Easter when Jesus enters Jerusalem. And if you read in your Bible, if you go to Mark 11, you can read about it. It's called the triumphal entry. And Jesus enters into Jerusalem sitting on a donkey and people are lining the streets and they're putting their clothes on the ground in front of him and they're putting palm branches down on the ground in front of him and they're welcoming him in and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means salvation has come. And in this moment, this triumphal entry, Jesus is being welcomed into the city as Messiah and King. And then we go forward a week. And Jesus is in a place called Golgotha, where Roman soldiers and leaders are putting a purple robe on him and a crown of thorns on his head, and they're bowing down to him and they're mocking him. They're mocking his kingship. They're mocking him. They're spitting on him. They're beating him. They are ridiculing him. And then he goes to a cross and he dies, dies a slave's death on a cross, and what we see here at Golgotha, Jesus is being treated as if he was a slave when in fact he's a king. It's this beautiful picture that's being painted, and as we journey to the cross, I want us to grasp this truth as a church, collectively, and in our own faith, that Jesus died the death of a slave so that we could be free. The story's not all bad, friends. Jesus died the death of a slave so that we could be free. And my question for all of us today is this. Are we living in the freedom that Christ came to give us? Are we really living truly free? And I want to speak to this, this thought for just a few moments today. And my prayer for all of us, and this is my prayer from this message and on this journey we're going on, is that every one of us leaves this place today a little more free a little more free in Jesus. So here's my thoughts. First one is this. Friends, through Christ, you are free from the burden of perfection. You're free from the burden of perfection. Uh, as a family, we love to watch Christmas movies at Christmas time. Like we go all in and uh, we love watching Christmas movies and our family favorite Christmas movie is Home Alone. The greatest Christmas movie ever created, Home Alone. It is wonderful. It's magic. And some of, you, some of you guys, you know what I'm talking about. You love the movie as well. But for those who've never seen the movie, uh, and maybe you don't do movies or television, that's all good. But the plot of the movie is a young boy who's left behind by his parents who go on a holiday. He's left home alone and uh, while he's home alone burglars try and rob the house that he's in and he sets up a whole bunch of obstacles and booby traps and stuff to trap them and they're kind of idiots and he gets away with it and it's hilarious and they all live happily ever after 
so we love watching this movie, right? And so a number of years ago, we showed our boys this, we watched this movie as a family together for the first time, and my boys loved it. They were like, this is the best ever. And so the next day, Bex went out for the day, and my, my kids were like, Dad, let's recreate Home Alone. <laughs> so when mom comes home, there's traps everywhere. And I'm like, yes. It's a great idea. I'm all about that. I'm like, let's do it. This is going to be fantastic. And, and, but what happened was I didn't realize that they wanted to recreate the exact movie. So very quickly, I find myself talking them down from putting nails in the stairs, a blowtorch on the front door, and paint cans from the ceiling. I'm like, boys, we don't want to put mummy in the hospital. They're like, no, we've got to do it. I'm like, I don't have a blowtorch. Like, no, we're not going to rig a blowtorch to go on mummy's face when she comes in the door. That's not a good idea. We can't do that. They were so disappointed in me. They were disgusted in me. What do you mean? I'm like, let's, let's, let's like dull it down. Let's do glad wrap over the front door so she walks into that or like matchbox cars on the floor. And they just shook their heads at me in disgust. Like go to Kennard's Hire and get the blowtorch. It was outrageous. And there was, I felt so bad. Like they like put this weight of expectation on me. Dad, if, we, if it's not going to be perfect, we're not doing it. They didn't talk to me for like four hours because I said we couldn't put a blowtorch on the front door and swing paint cans at mummy from the ceiling. It was just like, oh, it felt so terrible. It's like this weight of, it needed to be perfect. If it wasn't perfect, it wasn't enough. See, perfection can be a really heavy burden. And as you read the Bible, you'll read about this thing in the Old Testament, and it's mentioned in the New Testament as well, called the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law. And this law was given by God to God's people, to the nation of Israel. And the law was really good. And the law gave the people God's standard for right living in order to be in right standing with God. So to be in right standing with God, you had to keep the ordinances of this law. And so the law was a really good thing because it gave people the direction of how do I stay in right standing with God? I have to do all these things. The problem is that no one could keep it. Even the like, heroes of the Old Testament that we look up to, like Moses, who's described as a friend of God, the friend of God couldn't even keep the standard. And David is called the man after God's own heart. Even he couldn't keep the standard. So what started out as a good thing, a good thing to give people the rules to live by, to keep them in right standing with God, soon became a burden. The Bible actually talks about it as a yoke of slavery. People now became slaves to the law. When the law was there to keep us in right relationship with God, now they are slaves to the law itself. And, but as it turns out, the law was only given to reveal to us that there is a standard of righteousness that we are unable to get to. And the whole point of the law was to reveal our inability to be righteous on our own way and in our own merit and show us that we need a Savior, Jesus, to come and die a sinner's death on the cross to fulfill the law and the prophets to free us from the debt of sin and the burden of the law that we may now live not by law but by grace. Grace. No longer bound to live this life of perfection and ticking all the boxes and being religiously right so that God would accept us but now we have this free gift of grace and grace friends is not a license to sin. 
It's like Jesus came, hey, have grace, live however you want, but there's grace. That's not what grace is. Grace isn't a license to sin, but it is a freedom from the burden of trying to be perfect and always get it right. The Apostle Paul, he addresses this issue where in the New Testament church, there are people who are, who've, who've been saved by the grace of God, but now others are trying to add on to that a requirement in order to be in right standing with God. They're adding some law into the mix, and Paul addresses it in Galatians 5. He says this, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. In other words, if we couldn't achieve it all those years gone on our own merit, then why do you think we're going to achieve it now? Don't don't go back into that place of slavery. Stay in this place of grace. And the problem I see as a pastor is I see too many New Testament Christians still living with an Old Testament mindset. Is that we still think that we have to tick a bunch of religious boxes in order to be made right with God, to be in right standing with God, and for God to accept us. And we, we, we have this, uh, this idea, like, I have to pray and I have to go to church and I have to read my Bible and I have to give and I have to serve and Easter's coming and I have to go to Easter because if I don't go to Easter, I'm a terrible Christian and God's not going to like me. That's why people only come to church twice a year, Easter and Christmas, because at least I get to tick those boxes. And at least then God will like, be pleased with me because I did the right thing on the right days. And, and, and listen, all those things are good things. I'm not saying they're bad things. All those things are beautiful things and wonderful things and essential things and things that are there designed to help us commune with God and grow with God and be in relationship with Him and outwork this thing called faith and and our Christian living. But the motivation to do all those things is grace, not law. It's grace, not law. When the motivation to do those things is law, when you miss it, you're now guilty. You're now guilty. I didn't pray this morning. Oh man, God must not be pleased with me. Oh, I missed church for a couple of weeks. Oh man, like I'm, and then, then we have to pay back the debt. So we double down. I didn't pray, I didn't pray yesterday. I'll pray twice today. Because now I'm, I'm, I'm in debt, right? I didn't go to church for two weeks. I'm going to go to every service today. And I'm just going to make it up and then God's going to be really, really happy with, with, with me. We, when we are, under that burden of perfection, what happens is it will begin to enslave you. It'll be a yoke of slavery because you'll always feel not good enough and you'll always feel estranged from God in some way because it's on your merit now to be good enough for God. But I'm here to remind you that you're no longer a slave to the law and you're no longer a slave to perfection. You are free in Christ by His grace. He died the death of a slave so that you could be free. And my question for all of us here today is this. Is the burden of perfection keeping me from being free? Some of you, the greatest shift that can take place in your faith is to realize it's not what you do that makes you right with God. It's what Jesus has done for you. And when you receive that, and you receive His grace, and you realize in your own merit, in your own standard, you'll never be good enough, but because of Jesus and His death on the cross, you are now made right with God. Now your motivation is grace. Grace becomes the greatest motivator for you to know God and love Him and serve Him and give and pray and be part of the community of faith. That's the motivation. It's not to tick the box so that God's pleased with you and that God accepts you. You're accepted by faith in Christ. 
It's a beautiful thing not to be under the burden of perfection. Jesus died the death of a slave so we could be free. My second thought is this. Through Christ, you are free from the bonds of sin. You're free from the bonds of sin. I've always believed in my life that there are two groups of people. There are sweet people and savory people. You know what I'm talking about. Like if I was like, hey, 11 a.m. service, it's lunchtime when we finish. We're going to hit up Mirabuka Bakery just up the road. And we're going to go get us. Someone's like, yes, my place. Yeah. Hey, calm down, brother. Nearly, nearly. We're going to go up there and you can choose something. Half of you are going steak and cheese pie, sausage roll, chicken wrap thing. <clears throat> the chicken kebab on a stick thing. That's good. I don't know what they put on that, but hallelujah. Then the other half of you are going, give me that cream donut. Custard square, chocolate donut, raspberry slice. I told you, we're gonna. Listen, you guys need to calm down. We're not starting a war here. We're not gonna fight about this. Each to their own, right? For years, I've been in the savory camp. For years, if there is a platter of food and there is chicken on there, I'm getting the chicken. Keep your sweet stuff to yourself. If it's dessert time, I want a pie. I want mince pie for dessert. I'm not interested in the sweet stuff, uh, I'm all that. But here's what's weird, as I'm getting older, I'm developing a sweet tooth. I don't know if anyone's experienced that. Like I never used to be about sweet stuff. And now as I'm getting older, I'm 40 this year by the way, praise God, I know I look 30. <laughs> the Lord has been good to me. Some of you are thinking, no Steve, years have not been kind. <laughs> I just can't, honestly I'm just, now I've got this sweet tooth going on where I'm really drawn to, to sweet things. And I, I've been off dairy for like 10 years. I did, dairy wasn't good for me, I went off it. I've just started reintroducing it to see how my body responds. And part of the reintroduction, I reintroduced milk chocolate. I'm telling you, man, there's vegan chocolate, there's dairy-free chocolate, but it ain't got nothing. On milk chocolate, I'm ruined. And then I rediscovered another favorite, milky bars, white chocolate, sweet Lord, oh my word. I am now a, a train wreck. Like I am, I am eating chocolate like you would not believe. If like there are times when I'm, I cannot stop myself. It's like, it's like I'm, I'm under a compulsion that I've never experienced before. Some of you are like, that's my whole life. Like, <laughs> talking about chocolate, like it's a new thing. Welcome to the club, sweetie. Like, you've been on this for years. I mean, I will eat a whole block. I'm just gonna eat the whole, it doesn't even, it's like there's an external force. Some nights I feel like I'm a drug addict. I'm scouring the cupboards trying to find leftover chocolate because we ran, I'm like, surely there's an old Santa from Christmas in here somewhere. Like, so going through my kids' drawers, chocolate money somewhere. I'm it's like, it's bad. You gotta pray for me, man. Like, some of you know what I'm talking about. We're gonna start a small group. We're gonna get free together. It's gonna be a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's gonna be a beautiful thing. Oh my goodness. But it has this like compulsive aspect to it. It's like I can't control myself. So there's an external force at work that is just compelling me to keep eating this chocolate. And the Bible says that sin kind of operates in a very similar manner in our lives. And in fact, God describes the nature of sin and how it works when he's talking to Cain way back in the book of Genesis. And he says these words, Genesis 4 verse 7. He says, you'll be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what's right, watch out. Sin 
is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Another translation says, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you. It desires to take mastery over you. It desires to control you, enslave you. But he says, but you must subdue it and be its master. In other words, if you aren't careful, sin will become your master. It will have mastery over you and enslave you. Sin in our lives has this ability to get in and take mastery over us, control us. That's why you find yourself doing stuff. You're like, I don't know why I keep doing this. I don't want to do this anymore. If you, with sin in your life, and it can be for decades and years, and it could be like these habits or these things you keep doing. Like, I don't want to do that anymore, but it's like I just can't help myself just keeps kind of happening and it's, it's because there's an enslaving aspect to it and you know what it feels like because you never truly feel free. You're always compelled and controlled and enslaved by it and you end up living this life you don't really want to live and you're no longer kind of in control and at a front you find but deep down on the inside of your life you're like I'm still not free but praise God, here we go friends, praise God that Jesus died the death of a slave so that you could be free. Sin no longer has to have a mastery over your life. Jesus paid the debt of your sin. So your sin, God says, is taken as far away from you as the east is from the west. You are no longer under the payment and penalty uh, of your sin, but you are now free to live a life in Jesus. The Bible says that through Jesus and his cross, you are a new creation. You're a new creation. Old has gone, new has come. And part of that new creation process, I want to speak to you about a couple of truths. Part of that new creation process is supernatural empowering. It's a supernatural empowering to live a life pleasing to God. Part of that experience of when you give your life to Jesus and you're born again by His Spirit, you are made new from the inside out and there is a spiritual, a supernatural empowering to live a life pleasing to God and to live a life away from sin. That's why when you came to Jesus, stuff began to change in your life like that overnight. It's like certain things and behaviors that you used to be a part of now are no longer part of you. They just seem to fall away and you have a greater desire to live for God and holiness and righteousness than you did before. That's true. But what is also true is this. You're going to wrestle with sin every single day. You're going to wrestle with it every single day. Even the Apostle Paul, he says it last. Now this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. He had a radical, supernatural transformation experience on the road to Damascus where Jesus showed up and his eyes were covered with scales and he had to go see a guy called Ananias and get prayed for him, miracles and like, whoa, transformed supernaturally. And then he says this in Romans 7. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. He's wrestling with this idea that Man, like he's transformed by the power of God. He's loving Jesus, but there is this mastery, sin, nature that he's wrestling with the whole time. And a lot of you, and I really felt this as I was reading this, a lot of you look at your life and your faith and you think there's something wrong with you. 
because you love God and you want to serve Him and you want to follow Jesus and you read your Bible and you're committed and you're connected and you want to live for God, but you still wrestle and struggle with sin every single day. And you're thinking, am I wrong? Do I not have enough faith? Have I not read the Bible enough? Have I not prayed as the, the proper prayer? Is there something wrong with my faith? There's nothing wrong with your faith, friends. There is another component to being free in Jesus and this is what it is. It's a daily outworking of the freedom God came to give you. There is a supernatural empowering, and then there is a daily outworking where you choose every day to be free and stay free. And this looks like a, 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 diff, a lot of different things in church. There's a lot of different ways where we get free and stay free from the, this enslavement of sin. Part of it is walking a journey with people, getting in a small group and helping people like you walk a journey towards freedom and confessing your sins. The Bible says confess your sins to one another and you may be healed. That, you know, there's this power in confession and walking a journey with people. But Paul gives us a really beautiful answer in Romans 6 of how to be free in Jesus from the mastery of sin. I'll read it to you guys. Romans 6, 16 says this. Don't you know that what you offer yourselves to, uh, sorry, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. See, through the cross of Jesus and his death as a slave, you have been set free from sin, but to live in that freedom requires obedience. Obedience. If you want to get free and stay free, obedience. I read that passage a number of weeks ago. I was like, wow, there's this idea in that passage that I'm going to be a slave to something. I'm going to be a slave to something. I can either be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or I can be a slave to obedience, which leads to righteousness and life and freedom. I get to choose who I am a slave to. Jesus, when talking about freedom, he said it like this. And we love this passage. This is John 8. We love this passage, but we often miss part of it. We love, oh, you know, the truth will set you free. Kind of. Go to the start. To the Jews who believed him, he said, if you hold to my teaching, you're truly my disciples. Then you know the truth, and that truth sets you free. The key, obedience. If you listen to what I'm saying and obey it, then you're going to know truth, and then you're going to be set free. See, freedom comes from obedience to Jesus. Freedom comes from obedience to God's Word. Freedom comes from obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Freedom comes when you live obedient to the way God is calling you to live through His Word. Freedom comes from obedience. Crazy, right? Seems so simple, but it's so hard. The freedom Christ died to bring you may just begin with a step of obedience. If you want to get free and stay free, my greatest challenge to us is to live a life of obedience to God. And the great thing about this is, is this. We think that when we become obedient to God, like I'm a slave to obedience, I'm a slave to God, I'm gonna like submit my life and surrender it to that. We think that freedom is actually me being able to do whatever the heck I want. You go do that and you'll find pretty quickly you're a slave to something. You're gonna get enslaved real fast. But when you live a life obedient to the way God has called us to live, what you'll discover is that within God's perfect framework of life, there's freedom. 
See, ultimate freedom is not the restriction of boundaries, but the presence of them, and you have freedom within that, and life and life abundant from God. Here's a question I want you to ask yourself. Is there an area of my life where God is asking me for greater obedience? Maybe it's to go and forgive that person. You're like, man, you'll never be free until you actually follow that step of obedience and go forgive that person. Maybe it's to go confess some stuff or deal with some sin or become more obedient to his word. Or maybe it's to get baptized next Sunday. You know God's been speaking to you for years and years and years about baptism. You to step out and follow that step of obedience. And maybe that step of obedience is going to begin a journey of freedom for you. That freedom that Christ died to give you may just be a step of obedience away. Jesus died the death of a slave so that you and I could be free. Can I pray for you, church? Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for those who've joined us online, who are engaging in this from their homes, their living rooms. God, I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would be a people who truly know the freedom that Christ came to give us. God, I thank you that you died the death of a slave that we could be free. Father, I pray for all of us that we will be freed from the burden of perfection. Lord, that we don't have to tick religious boxes. We don't have to be good enough. Lord, we can rest in your grace that Jesus, you are enough, that you are good enough, that all our striving and trying will only amount to nothing. But Lord, we, are, we receive your grace afresh today. And Lord, may our motivation to seek you and know you and pray and read and serve, Lord, may that motivation be grace, not law. And I pray a freedom upon people in this room today and online who have been bound to a weight of perfection that is keeping them enslaved pray you break that off Lord may they know they're free in Christ God I pray for all of us Lord that we will be free from the bonds of sin Lord that we thank you that you, you've taken our sin, you've removed it from us, you died, you paid the debt of our sin. We're no long, longer held to account for the sin debt that we have. You paid it already. But God, I pray for all of us that you bring a greater heart of obedience to us. Lord, that we may be free from the debt of sin, but still sitting under the slavery and mastery of sin in our lives. And God, I pray that we would be a people who desire freedom and the freedom you came to give us. So Lord, I pray right now for those of us in the room, I pray for, and those online, I pray for a supernatural empowering of the Holy Spirit to live a life righteous, to live a life holy, to live a life pleasing to you. God, put inside of them a desire to live away from sin and turn to you. Put a greater desire for holiness in our hearts and our lives, oh God. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would be the great prompter when things are going sideways. Maybe when we are, we're about to sin, we're about to mess up, I pray for a divine interventions and promptings and that you would be the divine interrupter, that you would remind us again to be slaves, not to sin but to obedience Lord help us to be a people who take the steps of obedience that you're asking us to take that we would truly live in the freedom that you came to give us God I thank you we're free by your grace and we stay free through obedience and I pray for all of us that we would hold to your teachings we truly be your disciples and that we know that truth and that we'd be free in it I want to pray for one more group of people. Just one of your eyes closed and head bowed. If you're here today and your life isn't right with God,
maybe this is your first time back in church for a while and you'd be honest and say, Steve, I am far from God. I need to get right with him today. Or maybe you've never made a decision to follow him. Maybe you're with us online and you've joined us from the Facebook or uh, the church online platform and you're just tuning in. You feel God speaking to you. This is your day to get right with God. Truth is, friends, God loves you. God made you. God's got a great plan for your life. We all mess up in sin. But Jesus died on a cross. He paid the debt of our sin. And he extends to all of us his gift of grace, forgiveness for your wrong, a new life that begins here and now. Hope for your future and eternity in heaven with him. And if you're not right with God, I want to pray for you. In fact, I want to invite you to join in a prayer with me. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And I want you to repeat it after me. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. But when you say it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got. This is your prayer, not mine. I'm just leading you in it. Are you ready? If that's you, friends, you're not right with God or you've never started a journey with Him before, but you want to, pray this prayer. Say, God, today I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up. But I believe, Jesus, you died for me. So right now, this Palm Sunday, I give my life to you. I ask you to come in and be my Lord. Take away my sin. Help me to live for you. Make me brand new today. I choose from this day to live for you. In Jesus' name. Just so your eyes still closed and every head bowed. If you prayed that prayer, I'm incredibly proud of you. It's the most amazing decision you could ever make. And, and I want to invite you to take one more little step of faith. What I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if you prayed that prayer, either for the very first time or you're getting right with God today, I want you, when I get to three, to put your hand up nice and high so I can see it. I'm not doing that to embarrass you. I'm asking you to take one little step of faith. I'll see you, I'll acknowledge you, and you can put your hand straight back down. Online, there's a button coming up saying, I raise my hand or count me in. Click that button right now and let us know you've made that decision. It's one little step on a, uh, on a journey of steps with God. Are you ready on the count of three? One, two, Three, hands up nice and high right now. Saying, Steve, there's me. God bless you, my man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. To my left, thank you so much. I got you, brother, right on the side there. Awesome. Got you over here too, buddy. Thank you. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me, that's me. Count me in. I prayed that prayer online. You just go ahead and click that button. Would love to know. Would love to celebrate with you. Love to help you on your journey. It's an incredible moment. Powerful moment for many people today. It's a moment where everything changes. Where nothing's the same again where you step into life and life in all its fullness. Well, God, we thank you so much for those who just said yes to you, for those who lifted their hand and those who didn't but still prayed their prayer. God, I pray for them. I pray you bless them. I pray they know your love and your life and your grace right now. I pray that they truly would know that their sin is taken as far as the east is from the west away from them, that you're giving them new life today and that they can step into that and into eternity with you. We bless them now and we honor them as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together for all those people that just said yes to Jesus? So good. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.